Hello everyone and welcome back to the ShuttlePod. Uh, we're going to try something a little different today. We're going to open the show with a bit of a sound montage which is going to lead into the body of our discussion. So we hope you enjoy it. We choose to go to the moon. We choose to go to the moon. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Many years ago, the great British explorer, George Mallory, who was to die on Mount Everest, was asked why did he want to climb it? He said, because it is there. Well, space is there, and we're going to climb it. And the moon and the planets are there, and new hopes for knowledge and peace are there. And therefore, as we set sail, we ask God's blessing on the most hazardous and dangerous and greatest adventure on which man has ever embarked. One day soon, man is going to be able to harness incredible energies, maybe even the atom, energies that could ultimately hurl us to other worlds in, in some sort of spaceship. And the men that reach out into space will be able to find ways to feed the hungry millions of the world and to cure their diseases. They will be able to find a way to give each man hope and a common future. And those are the days worth living for. Perhaps maybe a little uh, Hamlet? Oh, no, I know Hamlet. And what he might say with irony, I say with conviction. What a piece of work is man. How noble in reason, how infinite in faculty, in form, in moving, how express and admirable, in action, how like an angel, in apprehension, how like a god. Surely you don't see your species like that, do you? I see us one day becoming that, cute. It is the unknown that defines our existence. We are constantly searching. Not just for answers to our questions, but for new questions. We are explorers. We explore our lives, day by day. And we explore the galaxy, trying to expand the boundaries of our knowledge. And that is why I am here. Not to conquer you with weapons or with ideas, but to coexist and learn. We wanted to see if you had the ability to expand your mind and your horizons. And for one brief moment, you did. When I realized the paradox. Exactly. For that one fraction of a second, you were open to options you had never considered. That is the exploration that awaits you. Not mapping stars and studying nebula, but charting the unknown possibilities of existence. It speaks to some basic human needs that uh, uh, there is a tomorrow. It's not all going to be over with a big flash and a bomb. Uh, that the human race is improving. Uh, that uh, we have things to be proud of as humans. No, astronauts, uh, ancient astronauts did not build the pyramids. Human beings built them because they're clever and they work hard. And Star Trek is about those things. Hi again, everyone. This is Brian Drew, and I am here with Matt Wright. Hey, guys. Kayla Yacovino. Hey, everybody. And Jared Whitley. Greetings, friends. The gang is all together this week. As you heard in the um, in that little sound montage we put together, we hope you enjoyed. Uh, the premise behind this episode of the Shuttlepod is Star Trek's aspirational nature and how it inspires us as fans and how it maybe is unique. Star Trek is unique in the annals of most science fiction, not all, but a lot of science fiction, which tends to veer toward a more dystopic bent. Sort of, sort of like cautionary tales. And even like nowadays with black mirror, like if you right. know, the technology, that's something that we don't understand. Our knee jerk reaction is to be afraid of. Right. 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 Even, even something like a fun adventure, like Jurassic park, the heart of that is fear of like genetic engineering and cloning and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Right, 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 
Right. Star Trek is telling us the exact opposite, that we should not be afraid of the future. We should embrace it because there's so much promise ahead yeah. of us. And, you know, if, if people are wondering why we started the montage with President Kennedy's address at Rice University, it's because, I mean, I, I don't think any of us can definitively find this out, but I think it's pretty obvious that Gene gleaned some sort of inspiration from obviously the entire Mercury Gemini Apollo program and was an admirer of President Kennedy's because Mm -hmm. Star Trek is the original Star Trek in particular is very much a Kennedy-esque view of the future. Very yeah, much so. and and it's something we've talked about. I I didn't realize this until we were started making this podcast. But James Kirk is JFK. Yeah, to in, some degree, in, in he many is, ways. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. In many ways. Yeah. Again, you know, like youngest cats in Starfleet, youngest president. I mean, you know, they, that kind they, of thing. They even have the same initials, right? JK. Oh. Right. Yeah, like, yeah. In my head, I was like JTK. Okay, it's yeah. not perfect. <laughs> it's not perfect. That would have been <clears throat> hanging too much of a lantern on it. Yes, but, I would yeah. say so. Would have been I would too say close, so. right? Yeah. So you know, even now, in the era of Discovery and Picard, the foundational aspect of the Star Trek franchise is that view of the future. Even though it's obviously changed over time, as our world has changed and sensibilities have changed, foundationally, that's Star Trek. Yeah, I think there's a there's a seed in there somewhere, a space seed, you might say. Oh, who, who's <laughs> to say what could happen with this seed we've planted today? Well, <laughs> in every show, it's in there somewhere. Yeah, yeah, it is. It absolutely is. There are instances that I did not include in this montage where it's even where you know Kennedy talks about how you know we're not just going as America into space you know ultimately the space is going to be for everyone yeah yeah, yeah that, that, all, I mean man, the entire mankind. speech is yeah the, the entire speech is just good. loaded with the foundational yeah. the building blocks of Star Trek <laughs> mm-hmm. so when when I lived in DC uh you know I'd go to the Air and Space Museum and they would have a room where they would just have that speech playing all day oh wow really and That's yeah, cool. f- 50 years later, still has that. Darn impact. right. Yeah. And Brian, as you mentioned, you know, this idea of space exploration being for all of humanity, that's um, a theme that kept going throughout the history of NASA through the Apollo program and beyond. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but for example, um, it, you know, Armstrong's first words on the moon, you know, one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. Um, and something that a lot of people don't know is that when the original moon rocks were brought back from the moon back to Earth to, to Houston, um, a piece of the moon was given or offered to every country on Earth to symbolize the idea that this wasn't an achievement by America. This was an achievement by humankind. Very nice. I, I did not actually know that. I did not know that either, Kel. That's fantastic. How many pieces did they have to bring back? Like 200? Oh, they... They bought back. They brought back several, you know, I, I should know the number because I work at Johnson, but it's, you know. It's a lot though, right? It's yeah. over, it's, Ma- it's, it's over a ton, isn't it? Yeah, over a yeah. Ton? yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but, but you know, I, I don't think they gave them a, a giant piece of it because. Yeah, it's just, it's they, a There are precious samples that yeah. <laughs> we haven't been able to get again in the last 50 years almost, so. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. One small piece for each country, one giant piece for mankind, for the whole planet. <laughs> yeah, for USA, we'll keep the yeah. rest. And then, you know, you know, and even in the days before, before things mellowed out between the U.S. and the Soviet Union, we had the Apollo-Soyuz mission. Right. In the mid-70s. And we're so. still flying... Um, U.S. astronauts currently get into huh. space on Soyuz yep. capsules, and they yep. come back right. on Soyuz. Until a couple of weeks from now. Oh, that's right. America is going to be putting uh, humans into space for the first time since the shuttle program. Wow. Mm-hmm. Crazy. Good crazy, but wow. And yeah. So the International Space Station, you know, because it's not like, it, obviously not the Cold War anymore, but it's not like or te- like relations are happy happy fun times with the russians and still we have this right. this international collaboration in space with russian cosmonauts and and astronauts the you know the the astronauts learn russian so do the mission control people so yeah it's 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 a very uh it's a nice thing to reflect on every once in a while it's a very harmonious thing that we actually have and i think like just adding to to your intro brian is 
this idea of not only an aspirational feature in the general sense, um, but something that drew me to Trek in particular was um, the idea that we shouldn't be afraid of things specifically like um, like exploration, so going outwards and not being xenophobic, um, technology and science, um, and those things being the, the, the conduits through which we advance humankind. So this mm-hmm. idea that instead of technology will be our downfall, or you know aliens will come in and attack us and destroy the earth it's like those are the things that led to this wonderful future where we can eliminate um hunger and poverty and all these things mm-hmm. so that that that's the thing that's really um obviously you know going into science you know definitely i was inspired by trek and that's like a big part of why right yeah yeah for sure we don't want to say that this is like one of the, the sole reasons people get into trek but you know they're obviously people get into trek and all sorts of things for all sorts of reasons some people more enjoy the action adventure aspect of it some might enjoy the you know, the sci-fi elements like of the, it yeah or like the gadgets you know sort of gadget right. and starship porn kind of right there's a tremendous sure. yeah, yeah, there's, yeah, yeah there's yeah. a lot of that there's there, a lot i mean that yeah. there's a big group that is very Speaking fixated just on just on starships know. yeah yeah in fact, we've talked about doing a favorite Starships episode of the Shuttlepod, but we realized it would kind of be hard to just do it verbally, right? Because we need yeah. to, like, show the spaceships. We can't just say, I always thought the Excelsior was cool. Maybe you could Google the Excelsior while we're talking, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so everybody's got their own entry point into this. Mm-hmm. This one typically is common with a lot of people the hopeful vision of the future. So we thought we would just talk about how, what that means to each of us and maybe some key episodes and movies or just maybe even a scene in one episode that really reached us and, and, you know, spoke to us in a way that keeps us coming back really. So I just wanted to talk to you guys and ask you what you think, what things have really touched you in the Star Trek universe in this aspirational way. So so one of the things that I've always found appealing is the idea of here we have this this quasi-military group that is always ready to defend the Federation with force, but always tries to find non-violent ways to do it, right? Mm-hmm. To, to avoid conflict and to find um, uh, be- better ways than just shooting somebody, right? And the, the instance of that that I, I sticks out in my mind the most is in the TNG episode, The Defector, at the very end when they've been, they've been lured into Romulan space and they get surrounded when the two warbirds decloak. And like, we're mm-hmm. going to take you out. You don't stand a chance against us. And Picard's like, oh, really? And then the Klingon ships decloak, right? That's right. So yep. they, they, they were ready. They didn't, they're not uh, uh, stupid, right? They're not trying to become space martyrs. But they're also not trying to kill people they don't need to kill. Right, um, right. And right. there's there's a line in the first Thor movie, which I feel okay referencing because it has Chris Hemsworth in it, who is, of course, more <laughs> famous for his <laughs> role as George Kirk in the Obviously. Of course. Of course. Obviously. Of course. Yeah. Obviously. That's, totally. why he, yeah. that's why he became Springboarded his career. Exactly. Where, where uh, Odin says to Thor, a good king never seeks war, but he must always be prepared for it. Mm-hmm. So right. I think you could say the same thing for a good starship captain. Yep. Kayla, do you, what, what about you? Yeah. So for me, so Brian, you mentioned the idea of, you know, episodes to encapsulate this idea, how we feel about, um, you know, why the aspirational vision uh, of the future from Star Trek brought us into it. Um, which episodes do we f- feel like represent that? Which episodes are the ones that always are kind of warming your heart with, with respect to this aspiration? And mm. it's, I mean, it's impossible to pick one episode. And I think for me in particular, it's because, so the episode I'm going to pick, spoiler alert, I'm going to just jump to the end. The episode I'm going to pick um, to encapsulate this is the finale to TNG, All Good Things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, Great pick, of course. And particular, and I've talked on the show before about how much I love this episode. Um, And in particular, the ending of this episode and the way it's tied together. But because this episode represents to me, in a lot of ways, the entire series of The Next Generation. Oh, very much so. You know, it it ties all the way back to Encounter at Farpoint and to pieces in between. 
And it shows you, it's about the evolution of the characters, about our, the evolution of our understanding of the universe, about our evolution of understanding of humankind and how the human adventure is just beginning, you know, how mm. this is going to be ongoing, it never ends. Um, the trial never ends. The trial never mm. ends. And it was about opening your mind to new possibilities. And it's like, when I watch that, I'm getting goosebumps talking about it. I'm such a nerd. Oh. When I watch that, I feel like that's the journey I went on when I watched Star Trek The Next Generation. I went on that journey. I opened my mind, my mind to new possibilities. You know, I learned all these things. I watched Captain Picard be compassionate and logical. And, you know, so... so And, and learn how to not hate children. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was always supposed to be like a jokey part of his his persona. But yeah, obviously that, that changes. And then, then, you know, jumping way ahead to the like the Picard show today, he's a completely different man um, who's grown even more in a lot of ways. But yeah, to me, so to me that it's a bit of a cheat because that episode, I'm going to use it as a springboard to just say all of TNG is my pick basically. <laughs> um, and, and I can't not make this TNG heavy. So I try to talk a lot about the other series because I know we tend to favor TNG and TOS a lot on this podcast. But um, as I said to, as I said to my husband the other day, uh, him and I have been rewatching all of Next Generation through, you know, every episode in order. And um, we were coming up, we were watching on Netflix, so it gets to the part where it allows you to skip the intro. And he looked at oh, me and yeah. he goes, do you mm. want me to skip? And I was like, no. This is, this song is a part of my soul. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, <laughs> I yeah. Like, I need oh, to no hear question. it every time. We are not skipping the intro. So this show is like a part of my soul. And it's because this is the aspirational aspect and that tied in, like I said, with the technological aspect, the scientific, and most of all, the exploration aspect is mm -hmm. like, that is Trek to me. And it's not to everyone, like you said, Brian, but to me, that is the heart and soul of what Trek has done for my life. Right. So that's yeah, my long-winded way of saying I'm picking all of TNG <laughs> to represent <laughs> the aspirational nature of, of Star Trek. That's good. And I guess... Just, I'll just throw in one, one more little thing. Um, just uh, another reason that, that, I'm, I'm, that I'm using um, All Good Things uh, to exemplify this is because it picks up on, it ties all the way back, like I said, to the first episode and then to the episodes in between. And those are the moments to me that make, that, that make Trek, uh, Trek for me. It's the little yeah. moments. It's the, the, the little... The, the, the small decision that Picard makes or the way he stops mid-sentence to make sure that he acknowledges, um, you know, one of his crew um, or just does something or any of the characters, you know, just th that does something so caring and kind and, and just boosting each other up. Mm -hmm. So it's all those little moments. Like when he pauses to say, you are a clever man, Mr. Data, in any time period. In any like time the, period. The last person in the world who needs a compliment. Any timeline. He'll, yeah. he'll, he'll take the time to do it. Yeah. Exactly. That's a wonderful. That's a wonderful bit too. When he sees Data for the first time in All Good Things, when he's in the past, and he hears yeah. Data. Yeah, yeah. If you when ignite a patrol, Brian. Yeah, yeah. When he's talking to O'Brien, and you know, it shows how Data's grown because back in those days, at the beginning, Data took everything very literally. Yes. Yeah. Oh yes. And you hear Picard just listening and kind of smiling because yeah, he, you know. That was a sweet moment. I'm sorry, I didn't mean very, to digress, but I always loved. I, lo I always no, loved that little no. bit. I always loved that that's little on, bit. That's on topic. All yeah. Good Things is great, so, I mean, it's hard to not talk about it. <laughs> it really is a fantastic wrap-up. Yep. It's a great wrap-up to the series, and it's just a great Star Trek episode, even standing it on is. its own. Yeah, yeah. agreed. It is. it is, for sure. And, I and, always and loved... better than all of the TNG movies. Yeah, yeah well, all yeah, of them. Pretty much, it's better yeah. than all of them, yeah. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, I've always loved the, you know, you, you sort of you stretched yourself and thought outside the box, basically, kind of moment with Q. Right. I've always loved that. I think right. that's really key to what we're supposed to be able to do as humans, right? Yeah. We're supposed to be able to go to another another great kind of Star Trek moment, a little leap beyond logic kind of thing, you know, with V'ger there, right? Leap beyond mm -hmm. logic that we, you know, it's like, you know, it's, it's almost like Gene Roddenberry has said that that's a, an innate human thing and that it's an amazing thing that humans have, right? We should be able to exploit that for good and for ingenuity, not just mm -hmm. whatever, you know, negative consequences, right? So it's very reassuring. 
to see Picard figure that out, I think. Yep. Mm-hmm. It's a very Star Trek moment. It is. It's so good. Yeah. And, you know, even as you referred to with V'ger, you know, trying to evolve into another dimension, into a higher level of being. And and what does it take to do that? Well, it takes a human. It takes a human. Yeah. Yeah. A leap of faith, so to speak. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Star Trek has an extraordinarily large streak of humanism. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. We know that for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Clearly. And, yeah. And, and, it, and, it, and these two examples we just made are more, two of the stronger examples of that, I think. Mm-hmm. Let's see. We, we uh, Was there something specific you wanted to go down? Or were there other episodes we want to... Well, Matt, were you... Yeah, Matt, were you, do you, do you Oh, yeah, here? sorry. I sorry, haven't sorry. said anything yet. I was about to. Yeah. I was just going to say, if Kayla gets to claim all of TNG, then I get to claim <laughs> all, of, all of TOS Season 1. No. So, half, half true. Half fair, true. But, fair. I'll allow but, it. But uh, uh, I would say, though, that I really, I mean... Brian will probably have to like arm muscle me for TOS season one. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> we both really like it, but there's a lot of really great stuff to go back to the sort of the Kennedy esque version of uh, optimistic future that I like. Um, I'm always drawn to, um, I mean, among many other episodes in season one, I'm actually always drawn to the Corbite maneuver uh, specifically. Mm-hmm, and I think mm-hmm. it's, Good it's example. great because we've got, you know, the seasoned crew and then the not so seasoned crew and like Dave Bailey, who's actually really loses his, his, you know, himself on the bridge and is a total, total wreck in this face of like this, you know, danger and unknown. But then very nicely, he pulls himself together and Kirk as a good leader sees that. And actually, of course, like redeems him, like rewards him with, you know, a look at the unknown, right? Like, and so I think, it's just always intriguing, and and of course I always love the the it. Maybe it's a little too on the nose, but I always, but it's always fun that of course the first thing you see of Balak is actually a puppet that's really scary, um, and you're supposed to be scared, but you know we're not really. No one is actually all that scared of him, and you know they they do the bluff and see it through, and then of course it's really <laughs> it's really little Clint Howard, yeah, but. Drinking grapefruit juice. Um, yeah, <laughs> right. But but again, that's that whole like things aren't always what they seem, right? Like you know, and so yeah. it, it it I think it typifies that kind of mm-hmm. we can be tolerant, we also can be sort of brave in the face of an 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 adversary, but at the same time, if there's a chance to turn it around, you will. I mean, like remember Balok's ship actually, you know, when he breaks off and it's just like the two little spheres that tell him, they overwhelm him and actually like disable him and then they turn around and help him Mm -hmm. so it's not like they just leave him you know in the dust because that's not what you actually that's not what you do right that's not the point of being out there yeah yeah well said in the star trek universe the first impulse is always to help Mm. yeah yeah like even we talked about this amongst ourselves recently by any other name which is the second season episode yep and it is kind of a goofy episode (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, it is, but a little bit. It's got a wonderful bit at the end. It does when Kirk is talking. Rojan is his name, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, he's telling them that they could bring their problem to the Federation, and they will find a planet, even including the planet they were already on, and bring them back and help them. You know, set up and do whatever they need to. Yeah. Be well. And Rojan says to him, you would do this for enemies? And Kirk says, no, but we would do it for friends. Mm. Yep, exactly. You know, that's that says a lot about Starfleet and the Federation and what Gene Roddenberry's version of the 23rd century is because they had just gotten finished, you know, stealing the ship and trying to hijack it to the Andromeda galaxy. And Kirk still, right. still, Kirk still was able to open up and make this very wonderful offer to these people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it could have very easily been justified and just, you know, having them hauled away. See, see and so, so much of that is a product of the um, uh, post-World War II sense of both invulnerability and kindness that America felt. I mean, after we defeated Imperial Japan, we decided to rebuild them, not to conquer them, right? Mm-hmm. right. So I think so right. much of that same spirit is echoed there. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent point. Excellent point. 
Matt, did you have more or are you going to? Well, I mean, I could go on, but that was just a good sort of typical, you know, typified kind of yeah, season yeah. one episode that yeah. I liked. Yeah. Well, I could go go along with you on season one as well in a couple of different instances, mm-hmm. particularly echoing what you said about, you know, seeing this big, scary monster and turning out, turns out that it's this little Clint Howard. <laughs> um, Devil in the Dark is like that. Oh, mm, Devil in the Dark is so good. Yeah, that would be another great pick. You've got this really ugly looking, you know, silicon creature who is apparently, you know, burning people to a crisp, as they say in the movie. Poor Schmitter. Poor Schmitter. Burnt to a crisp. (laughs) Um, And obviously, you know, there's this manhunt going on. They've got got this component that they need for the Mm -hmm. reactor because it's going to go critical, blah, 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 blah. There's a ticking clock. Um, they are trying to kill this thing because it's obviously killing people and blah, 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 blah. And it turns out it's, it's not a monster at all. It's simply a mother trying to protect mm-hmm. its young. Yep. So again, it's not always, things are not always what they appear to be on the surface. So that's a wonderful through line in Star Trek in general, but particularly, as Matt said, the first season had a lot of that kind Especially of Especially the first season, because, of course, yeah. the other one that it comes to mind is Arena, right? Because Yes, Arena's the other one. Here's the, the yeah, evil lizard captain right, yep. that is then spared because Kirk is not this primitive savage, you know, after all that the Metrons assumed, you know, right? right? That, mm-hmm. so. and, and McCoy and Spock are watching it, and even McCoy says it, we could have been in the we could have been in the wrong then. This, you know. That's right, that's right. Because they realize, wait, there might have been a claim to that space that they didn't know about. Imagine right. that. Right, you know? right. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and then that whole thing with the Metrons at the end. Mm-hmm. You still have Savage, but you have, you know, great potential. And, you know, obviously that became a trope in Star Trek. Yeah, where this you is get, the first time it happened. Though. Yeah, that's the first time where this, <laughs> an advanced species puts humanity on trial. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. You know, the, obviously the mm-hmm. most famous one being Q, but... Um, there were several instances of it. And I guess it's it's good in a way. I mean, it gets repetitive, obviously, but it kind of allows the show to proselytize, I guess, about yeah, what, mm-hmm. how great they are in the 23rd century and how the, you know they're a sterling example of what we should be. Sure. Well, but I think it also tempers that, right? So instead of saying, oh, once we make it to the 23rd century, we've won. We are the perfect race of beings you know blah 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 it's no we're we're never going to be perfect and we've come along even like looking at modern day at you know 2020 or whatever year of trek you're thinking of in the real world we've come a long way from where we were yesterday or 100 years ago and we're always going to be growing and changing and that Mm -hmm. growth is never going to stop right Right. because again the trial never ends the trial never ends and that goes to the to the taste of armageddon you know with kirk again another season one episode where you know, he, he it's it's clear that no one's perfect, right? I mean, Kirk basically says we could admit that we're killers, but we're not going to kill today. That's right. all it takes. Going to kill today, exactly. Yeah. You you start there. You don't say, oh, we're we're perfection, but you say we're better than you know, sort of animal impulses, right? Yeah. And and the one of those that I really enjoy is in the first one with the Klingons, the Errand of Mercy, where mm-hmm. Kirk realizes that he's art. He's been villainizing the Klingons, and then at the end he realizes he is arguing just as stridently as Kor is with the Organians yep. that they should have the right to fight. Yep. 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 It's quite a moment. Yeah. Well, Gene's influence over the series was most prevalent during season one. Yeah, for sure. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, whereas by season three, he was basically just collecting Yes, yeah. And season two, Gene Kuhn was running the show, so the, the, it tonally shifted a bit. So that kind of human, that long streak of humanism was a bit more tempered, I think, when you get into the series later on, I think. Yeah, it changes for sure. It changes, it definitely changes. And not necessarily for the worse, but that, that kind of tone that Gene had in the first season definitely more yeah, into something else. Very- it was the very obvious in season one. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, those are, those are all great examples. Um, and, you know, as you know, I, I also think, and we, all of us grew up with the show since we were very young. And I think it teaches you a got a lot of good life lessons. I think so. I think oh, it gives yeah. you a I good, mean, it gives you a good moral center. I think I, really, I, mean, I yeah. absolutely really, believe that. I mean, really Captain Kirk and Captain Picard were very important role models to me. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 They continue to be. 
Yeah. And they continue, oh, absolutely. Right? Exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I don't know how many shows you can actually say that about. No, I don't know. That's true. You know? Yeah, and it's interesting, like, you know, one of the reasons that, that we wanted to do this show now um, is for a lot of reasons, but, you know, I, I think the world is um, a scary place to a lot of people right now. Things are a bit chaotic, and so this idea of um, grounding ourselves in the um, the idea and the goal of this kind of a future for ourselves and, and the reminder uh, you know, to myself, it's like a reminder, you know, you do believe that this is what the heart of humanity is, that people are generally good and that sometimes, you know, things go up and things go down, but that, you know, I, I choose to believe that we have a bright future ahead of us. And this, this reminds me of that. And, and yep. the more likely someone believes that, the, the more someone believes that, the more likely it is to happen. Exactly. Yep. I 100% right. yep. agree yep. with that. 100%. Which re- returns yep. well me said. to the episode Devil's Do, which I maintain is a secret masterpiece, where these people, <laughs> they'd formulated this Ardra myth that pointed toward a bright future, and then an unethical lady came and took advantage of it, right? But at True. its heart, yep. was that's what saved this planet. Right. Yeah. You can see it's it's uh it's it's definitely got the TOS feel in that. That that is the most TOS episode of of yeah. TNG. I mean, which makes sense because it was a Phase Two sense. episode. Oh, right. that's which, right, that's right. You that's mentioned right. That. Yeah, but yeah. yeah, again, it's got that whole no. Actually, you know, the like the quote that we just included from you know the Great Bird himself about you know aliens didn't build the pyramids, people yeah. did, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's the same thing. Smart like and we work hard. It, exactly and that's and that's literally like the exact almost exactly what picard you know points out to them in the episode where he goes well who you know who did all the social reform did Ardra do it no we Uh did we did it you know who built all the cities like whatever no we did it's like yeah exactly like (laughs) and and that goes back even to the kennedy speech because in it he near the beginning of it he discusses the rapid progress we had made just in the past like 30 years leading up to that point mm-hmm. yeah that's that right. it outpaced the previous thousand in terms of progress like sure. that we were just we were just entering yeah. a, an incredible age very rapidly true and that trajectory very hasn't true. changed mm, no, no not a lot we're not always we don't always have the wisdom to use the the things we invent properly <laughs> that's true but hopefully <clears throat> internet yeah <laughs> I, was like, I knew you were thinking about twitter <laughs> yeah. i mean a, not just twitter <laughs> a lot of things. things yeah okay and then there's the line in undiscovered country where the president says let us redefine progress to mean just because we can do a thing it does not follow that we must do that we thing. must do that thing <laughs> yep. yep yep yeah that's true I will say about the whole sort of techno horror, you know, like worry, worry about that stuff. I think that's one of the best things about the TNG era, especially is that at this point they're, they're very obviously like living with very advanced, you know, uh, computer systems, holographic systems, portable data, you know, like of course today we sort of take that for granted, but especially in the late eighties or whatever, that was, I mean, that was very forward looking, you know? And, it shows that mm-hmm. no, actually, we we found a balance. Like, that's fine. That technically we're on a giant flying computer, like of a starship. That's fine. Like, you don't have to be plugged into it or constantly on your pad. You know, like, uh, there is a balance and a, you know, whatever is struck. We do eventually get the sort of wisdom to not be so tech addicted, let's say, or whatever you want to call it. You know. It, it it does become something that we adapt to. And it blends into the background. Exactly. And then, and then it's just another tool that we use. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's something a lot of the current shows, not just the Trek shows, but a lot of like sci-fi-ish type shows or things that are very tech, tech, tech enhanced is that they fall in love with the tech a little too much. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. Too, front, it's, too, it's too front and center. It's making too yeah. much noise. It's doing all this other crap. Yeah. yeah it's agreed. too fetishized. It's too much of a fetish of like tech stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you kind of get lost in the shuffle and it feels like almost a crutch at times. Right. Where, so. where instead the entire point is, no, we've, we've gotten used to these things. These are tools we've adjusted with it. You know, mm-hmm. that's it. Not a big deal. Right. It reminds me of something that William Shatner said 
when they first started the series that you know he'd be sitting in his command chair and he had you know somebody called the bridge and he would you know deliberately press the button mm-hmm. like you know in a very deliberate formal way and he said by the hand mid- midway through the season he was smacking that thing casually <laughs> yep. because it was just it had just become like everything else you know it wasn't special anymore it just was supposed to be there it's, it serves a function and he it uses does it every day and he yeah. uses it every day and he doesn't have to devote any real attention to it it's just there right so and it's i just true yeah it's just something very casual you know mm-hmm. one episode i was thinking about was emissary oh, okay great oh yes god that's such a well you know we've talked about it in our pilots podcast yeah. but that's such a great pilot it's just a great star trek episode it's a great yeah. star trek episode yeah it really is and just i you know i put that i put that um, montage at the top together and i specifically went looking for that dialogue oh, between i, I Sis- love that between scene. cisco and the prophets and it's just mm-hmm. there's a, there's more to it that scene obviously there's instances where you know patrick stewart's in it and cisco is kind of mounting a defense of the human race uh-huh. Yep, but he just lay. He just speaks so eloquently about who we are and the drive we have to explore and to learn. And yeah, yeah, it, it's just so superb. I, he, that, he basically just summed up, you know, Star Trek in a way, right? Yeah, I he mean, did. What what we're what we what we're drawn to? Yes, you know? yeah. And you know, it's funny because you know the big controversy when DS Nine was coming was that it was going to be this darker version of Star Trek. It wasn't on I a star. Know. It wasn't on a starship. It's, it's funny to think about now. Isn't it? Yeah, but it was it was a thing at the time. Yeah, it and was a thing. I remember it was a real thing. Like because like, Gene had only died a couple of years prior, and they were like, "Oh, they yeah. wait till Gene died to do this and all this other bullshit." Yeah. Anyway, so that's the conditions it was under when it premiered that night, and you watch it and. It is just so full of Gene's, Gene Rodberry's philosophy about the future. It is very yeah, much a. It, is. it very much embraces Star Trek. It just puts it on. It just slightly tilts it. It's that's just a all. little different. Yeah, yeah that's exactly. all. Exactly. It is a very, very, very powerful episode of Star Trek. Agreed. It's also just a very well-contained story in terms of mm-hmm. it presents our protagonist. He is in a bad state. He goes through this adventure, and then he's in a better state. Yep. Everything, oh, yeah. you, everything you need to know about that show is in that pilot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It is just superb. Mm-hmm. Great TV it, pilot. Not just a great Star Trek pilot. Just a great TV pilot, period. Mm-hmm. And it was nice to see some continuity with, of course, like Wolf 359 show up. And then mm-hmm. we can see that Cisco is actually a pretty damaged person. This goes back to that whole... Not you know perfect people thing. No, not everybody's all that perfect. Like it, right. it just it's just not possible, yeah. right? Like, but that's you know, okay, not gonna, and that's fine. That's right. And we get to go on a journey with Cisco as he finds a place, right? He throughout the first few episodes, especially, but really through I think throughout the first season, he starts to realize that he actually found a a place, right? Like yep. in the universe again, and it's here. You know, it's on the frontier yep. with Bajor, and you know. But but not exploring the frontier, building something on the frontier, right? Right? right exactly. Right? Because exactly. so much point. of Star Trek is you go to a place, you have a venture, and then you go somewhere else. And the, that's right. one of the many things I love about Deep Space Nine is here. This is the so what. This is the what comes after, right? Yeah, that's it's, right. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It's, that's right. He he goes to a planet and then he stays there for several years to make sure everything's working. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Go figure. <laughs> I know. <laughs> if only they had done that with Khan. Ah. Uh, I think a lot of problems. He, I think I think he may have been beyond hope, right? I mean, we he's kind of designed to be a narcissistic violent psychopath. Right. Right? It's true. Right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. I mean, it's true, but of course there's that whole like why did they leave him alone for 15 years? That was bad. They could have like sent him <laughs> food or something just in case. Uh, I kind of felt like that 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 was the terms he basically had with Kirk. I mean, it was like, well, either you go to jail or we'll send you down with a bunch of supplies and good luck. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's basically that what the, Kirk could have easily had him either put away Space. forever. Yeah. I mean, he could have shot him out of an airlock. I mean, oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 For sure. Um, so I felt like what Kirk did, I mean, granted, he probably should have informed Starfleet that he was there. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, like yeah. Left, a, left a buoy or something. <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, in theory, he makes a log entry about all this. They, they, it should be on the record. Right? People should know. I mean, why does Did no they one not? Yeah, no, I don't know. Maybe he forgot. He forgot to save it before he closed the file. Because, <laughs> because he was too busy tapping the button casually. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Maybe the maybe the Reliant Bridge Crew was drinking that day or something. I don't know. Oh jeez. Right. <laughs> <sighs> but Space Seed is still some episode. Just to go off on a tangent, really quick. I watched it the other night for the first time in a long time. Hmm. It's great. Yeah, mostly. I mean, it is. overall, it's really yeah. great. It, it they they lay out the entire eugenics wars in that yeah. episode, and they don't do it all at once. They sprinkle it out through in throughout. So like they don't stop and give you like the entire life story of Khan. No, thank you. And his people. It comes yeah. in, like four or five different times during the episode. So by the end of the episode, you get an, a pretty good detailed idea of what was going on in the eugenics wars. Anyway, that's I'm just going off on the tangent. We don't have to put I, that in there. I, I also think that that episode combined with the conscience of the king is what introduced the idea of we should be quoting high literature in Star Trek as a way of introducing it to people. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that probably with did. The, they probably did set the template for that, didn't they? <laughs> with yep. the, the Milton. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And my absolute favorite instance of that is where Lily quotes uh, Moby Dick. And Moby Dick. To admit that she never actually read it. Yeah. Yeah, that was classic. good. Yeah. That was good. That's great. And of course, Picard knows it by heart. Yeah. Of course. See, and that goes back to the everybody's perfect, but not really so much. And she, Lily gets to kind of call him out about that BS too, doesn't yeah. she? <laughs> yeah, that's one of the instances in, in like a, a TNG project where they, they kind of really poke holes in the whole perfect human thing. Because yeah. TNG, the biggest criticism of Star Trek Next Generation is that the characters are too perfect. And then everybody gets along, you know what I mean? And like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that, I mean, that is a much more pronouncing out to some degree. I think DS nine is a reaction to TNG specifically. Well, I, all, the other three Berman series are all reactions to TNG, right? There, there's all this sense that uh, it create it does not create the opportunity for storytelling conflict if you create, say this world is perfect, right? Right. Deep Space right. Nine, they put it. On, on the frontier in Voyager they put him out by themselves and then in Enterprise they put him back in the past right right so right, right. all three of those their very concept is trying to backpedal from uh, basically season one of TNG which yeah which, it's very uh, which otherwise is beyond reproach yeah yeah right Caleb but it works for TNG because oh it, yeah that, it, that, that gives it TNG, TNG its identity it gives TNG its identity sure. right and I think I think that's actually one of the reasons why. I know Kayla has said this. That's why, in a way, it's it, a lot of people are drawn to it. Is that it is a very you know smooth running professional group of people that mm-hmm. don't have a lot of conflict, and maybe that's okay, you know. Mm-hmm. But you can't have every show be like that. But you that's, can't have every show yeah. be like that. I agree. Yeah. 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 But speaking of Enterprise, there is a little little shout out I want to give to a nice uh, speech. Oh, very good. Yeah, at the end it. of. Uh, at part of the, you know, the, the real end of the series, because we'll ignore these are the voyages. <laughs> sure. um, Terra Prime. Terra Prime. In Terra Prime, yep. The great Archer speech that he gives, you know, in front of this group of people, you know, group of alien civilizations, essentially like a sort of precursor to the Federation, right? That's happening. A coalition that's happening right then and there. And he has a really great speech that, you know, it, it's just... It's a little more like it's a little more like derivative in the sense of like we've had several multiple other shows behind us and they know it when they write this kind of stuff when they're writing it, but it's still really good. And I, you know, I, there's a whole it's quite long, but the gist of it is is that you know, no matter where they've traveled, it's that you know discoveries aren't necessarily like out in space it's woven within us that that bind us all together to each other and that the final frontier begins in this hall let's explore Mm. it together Mm. and that's nice i mean that's one of the most star trekky things you can do honestly is say here's this diverse group of alien civilizations that we've brought together and now let's try and do something together right like to move forward yeah that's completely it's very it's very progressive and a little a little Kennedy-esque in a sense, which is a good thing for being a prequel. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and it's just a nice moment. Um, so, 
Also, well, I know all um these are the voyage. No, yeah, that's the name of the final episode of Enterprise, right? All, these are the voyage. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, yep, it, yep. it's a lot of hate. But there's a scene right before he goes out to give his speech where he gives to Paul a big hug, which I always yes. thought was adorable. And that's nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's nice for yeah. sure. Especially since the series started with the first thing he says to her is threatening violence against her. Yep. Yes, which is so regrettable. That which is so bonkers. Holy yeah. cow. But again, uh, it, that kind of shows how far those characters had come. Exactly, exactly. Also, it definitely informs you that um, uh, he too has tasted a moment of racial bigotry. It was most distasteful, right? Like from Day of the Dead. <laughs> most yes, distasteful. Most distasteful, yes. <laughs> All right, guys. So, you know, I think we've covered it in kind of a, in a nice personal way and given some folks maybe some viewing options if they want to go back and explore some of these things. And we thought maybe we might throw out a few more if you want to just, you know, plop down in front of the couch and power through a bunch of episodes. So uh, what <laughs> do you, uh, so what do you guys have? What are some, what are some suggestions you have for folks who are at home quarantining and needing something, something to take their mind off it, something yep. uplifting. Yeah. I mean, there's so many to choose from, but, so for me, I just had to go and think of, you know, what are the episodes that I'll never say no to watching that make me feel good? Um, you know, obviously all good things is on there. But um, oh, yeah. other episodes like uh, The Next Generation Times Arrow, parts one and two, the one with, you know, Samuel Clemens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are so much fun. Um, but yeah, they're great episodes. They make you happy. They have a nice sci-fi thing going. They have great character moments. Um, I have a couple of other oddball ones. Uh, one of my favorite episodes of Star Trek is a Voyager episode called Blink of an Eye. Not, oh, to, yeah. not to be confused mm-hmm. with Blink right. of an Eye, um, mm-hmm. where the Voyager is in orbit around a planet that's sort of out of phase in time with the rest of the universe. And they end up interacting with them. And it's a very cool one. Very, it's a yeah. very, very cool exploration of a sci-fi concept. It, it, that, it yeah, is, that's, yeah. A good, that's a good like hard sci-fi episode. Yeah. And mm-hmm. then uh, just one more I'll throw out is one... Um, that we watched recently um what our trek movie group of folks have been doing uh, uh watch parties the star trek watch parties together where we'll pick an episode or a movie um we'll jump on you know a zoom room and then we'll all just hit play together and watch an episode and, and this last week we watched uh an episode of enterprise called carbon creek and oh that one's great one of my top enterprise episodes and that's another mm-hmm. one i would recommend is just like a, a, a feel-good a well-written, fun-to-watch episode. My favorite part of that episode is where Trip uh, quotes the Twilight Zone. He says, this sounds like an episode of the old Twilight yeah. Zone. Yeah. <laughs> de- delightful little tip of the hand. Yeah. Twilight so Zone much, became canon. So, so mu- yeah, yeah. So much of Star Trek, the original series, owes its existence to Twilight Zone. I mm-hmm. mean, if... If uh, Rod Serling hadn't started with this idea of speculative social commentary through using science fiction, I don't know if Roddenberry would have been able to. And there's there's so much uh, back and forth between the two. Yeah, there were a of, bunch of writers that yep. wrote for Twilight Zone and Trek, and obviously a lot of actors. So. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, tons of them. Yeah. Yeah. How about you guys? What are your sort of feel-good episodes that you'd recommend? What do you think, Brian? Uh, I mentioned Devil in the Dark before. I always yep. love that episode. Um, I like Darmok a lot. Oh, yeah. Oh, right. I have a I have a Darmok Treknik note. When you're done talking about oh. it, I'll share my Treknik note. You know, in a real-world perspective, you know, that, that episode actually explores something that you don't really often see explored in Star Trek, where mm-hmm. there's a legitimate language barrier. Yeah. Yeah. You know, obviously they don't do it on TV. It's a TV show. You got a you know poetic license and whatnot, dramatic license. If 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 they did that, every episode would like it would be plausible that everyone would have language issues. Then that would be the plot of every episode. Right. 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 So yeah. They, they, they oh, yeah. can't. They can't do that. I just. But it's a wonderful exploration of of a language barrier and how they ultimately get past it. Right. Yeah. Um, it's a very Star Trekky message. That, you know, you could have such an insurmountable barrier between the two and yet somehow mm-hmm. find a way to connect. And that 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 always resonates with me because, oh, yeah, they, you know, so I Definitely. love that episode a great deal. 
the one of the things I love about that episode so much, uh, and I may have said this on the podcast already, is it's the same. If you look at the plot, it's virtually the same plot as Arena, right? But they're still yeah. very different and both terrific in their own way, right? Right. And True. I love yeah. that they're able to tell the same story, but the characters are so different, and the details are just enough different that they're that they're uh, you would never unfavorably compare one to the other. No, they're so no. different. But yeah, like you say, from a high level, they do have a similar plot from a very high level. Like, sure. Yeah. 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 Okay. So here, 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 here's my Darmok Trek anecdote. If I can insert it fast. By all means. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I, uh, um, you know, we are all use, using the internet perhaps more to communicate with people we might otherwise have meetings face to face with. And one of my colleagues, he is a big fan of communicating with GIFs rather than just typing a message. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, th- this guy likes to communicate through metaphor. So I waited for the right <laughs> moment. And when like we'd connected on something, I sent him uh, a GIF of Captain Dathan saying Darmok and Jalad at Tanagra. Mm-hmm. And he didn't get it. And then, <laughs> but but no, it gets better. And then when I shared this anecdote with the group later on, the boss, she said, Shaka when the walls fell. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yay. And I don't think she knew that that's the Temerian way you express disappointment at failure, but that's what it is, right? And it was yeah, a deli- yeah. delightful moment. I heard that and I'm like, oh, I need to save this for the shuttle pod. After that, were, were his eyes open after that, Jared? <laughs> yes. I, I, sa- <laughs> I said to her, so Kath with sails unfurled, and that may have gone over her head, but that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. It's still a delightful moment. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Um, I, I did want to throw out another one of our um, watch party things, which was the voyage home. Yes. Oh, yeah. that, that, that was the first one we did. With that. Yes, that was the first one we did at the very beginning of the quarantining when I think we were all feeling really weird. And we thought something very light and sweet, which is, and the voyage home is about as light and sweet as Star Trek gets. I'm so yeah. happy. Yeah. Yes. Uh, A phaser is shot once in the whole movie, and it's just to lock those uh, doctors in just so they can say That's right. That's right. Yep. And the climax of the movie. The climax of the movie is a Russian whaling ship shoots a harpoon. It's not 10,000 ships shooting at 20,000 other ships. Like, it has to be in everything. Right, right, right. It's just one little thing. (laughs) That's key. Beautifully restrained. Yep. Yeah, just a very sweet, sweet little movie and definitely will make you feel good at the end. So that's another good one to put out, to put out there I'll, for people. I'll, oh, yeah. I'll say this so I'm green in the face, but the first time Kayla and I ever met, I was visiting, I visited her in Menlo Park because I was in the Bay Area. And mm-hmm. later that day, I went to Alameda to see the nuclear vessels. <laughs> <laughs> and so you they, found Alameda, huh? <laughs> well, I just went, they have like a World War II battleship you can tour. So I just went yeah, to that. Yeah. Cool. They don't really let civilians on nuclear-powered uh, uh, naval craft. Yeah. No, not so much. Yeah. Understandably. All right, so what else we got, guys? Any other recommendations? Okay, so the episode I wanted to talk about is um, uh, Little Green Men, the Deep Space uh, Nine episode. So which, great. Which is a delightful comedy. Oh, and yeah. they, they talk about like the aspirational component of star trek in the sense of uh you know it shows humanity at a time when when they were at war and when by necessity people were more uh, um adversarial and and contentious and warlike and so it gives quark a wonderful moment where he gets to be the self-righteous one lecturing the humans rather than the other way around which is which is a fun um little flip there's also there's a nurse character on the army base in that episode who at the end gives this very Edith Keelery bright-eyed speech, yes, which she is does. clearly mm-hmm. a nod to that. And they, they play it off as, as uh, like a little bit of satire, but it's still a great way of them fitting into into uh, uh, its history. Because that, that nurse lady, she would have been basically a contemporary with Edith Keeler, a few years younger, but uh, uh, on the planet at the same time. Yeah, roughly. Yeah, right? Yeah, I guess that's... Little Green Man was in the 50s, right? Yeah. So Edith Keeler was in the late 30s. Right. So that's okay. that, that she'd be like Edith Keeler's daughter basically. Yeah, or or like kid sister or something. But yeah. Right. But, yeah, but exactly. Yeah. Close enough to the same time frame that I think they Definitely felt close enough. Yeah. Making yeah. the mm-hmm. making the illusion. Mhm. 
How about you, Matt? Did you have any? Well, I mentioned some, so I'll, I'm. It's kind of like it's. It, it's like we were talking about. It's really hard to pick one, and you know, or two, especially when you get into stuff where you're just like, oh, I'd watch that. Oh, I could watch that all day. Oh, I'd watch that. You know, it's like I don't even know where to start. Really, it's okay, Matt. I got you. Matt's picks are masks and Sub Rosa. <laughs> no, no, those are your picks. <laughs> Though I do have a soft spot for like, if you want to talk weird episodes, I do have a soft spot for like the Royale in season oh, two. Oh yeah, I like yeah. the Royale too. I was, I like just, the Royale. I was just thinking about I like that. The Royale. That is a yeah. that's like a guilty pleasure episode. It totally. is it totally, totally is. It totally. Is. I, yeah. I love my favorite line in that is when uh, Nikki Eyes, I think his name is, says, uh, "No woman is worth dying for, killing for, but not dying for." <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> That is some pulpy, pulpy stuff is, right there. Isn't that? <laughs> like, isn't that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah Tracy, Tor- Tracy Torme wrote that episode, I think, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. 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 that sounds right. It's 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 different, right? They didn't. They couldn't have done that every week. No, no. no it's a very high concept kind of a show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a bit spooky. It is. Yep. It's very weird, especially when they start to realize that there's no getting out, and there's a dead guy in a bed like that's uh-huh. getting really weird you know? yeah yeah <laughs> it's getting weird but it's kind of fun and it's kind of weird and, and it's definitely standalone and you know so you can just watch it randomly and fairly you know fairly harmless and kind of fun overall so mm-hmm. it's a good it's a good kind of random i just pick that out and watch it kind of episode yep. I think basically what we're saying is if you want to watch a bit of Star Trek to feel good, you can pick pretty much any episode except Shades of Grey, and you're good. <laughs> there are a few I wouldn't recommend if you're feeling down. <laughs> no, um, I know, I know. But I think this is a good list. This will get everyone started, and then, you know, after that, yeah, just, just I mean, really, whatever. like, just... Just pick a TNG episode, let it play, and then let it continue to autoplay the next one. The next one. <laughs> you'll hit you'll one be eventually. fine. Yeah. It'll be yeah. great. Just yeah, get Shades great. of Grey and you'll be good. <laughs> <laughs> and by all means, please put your own favorites in the comment section because we'd love to hear it. Yeah, what is your comfort food what is your episode? Favorite? Yeah, what, what are your favorites? What do you go to when you need a lift? Yeah. There's plenty to choose from, so I'm sure we'll hear all kinds of stuff. Yep, yep. All right, guys. I think we've covered it. Oh, and I I failed to mention this at the beginning of the show, but this is our 80th episode of the Shuttle Pod. We have now been running longer than the original series. Whoa, good job, Oz. And this is an 80, let's see, 80, like, Shuttle Pod proper, so not including... Right, discovery. Yeah, yeah we've actually got discovery close to 120, Picard. I think, right? Something like yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, the one, the shuttle pod proper, where we don't, we're not doing a specific show. Yep. We're not so, doing disco or Picard. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe you know, in 10 years, we're gonna we're gonna stop this now that you know. Obviously, we've we've done it. We've we've beaten the original series, so we can hang up our, our microphones now. And then in 10 years, they'll make a movie. Um, <laughs> and, and, and then series of and then ten years after that, you know, we will be happy to you know sign your your photos at the convention center. Yeah, okay. <laughs> assuming that's gonna happen again. Yeah, yeah assuming right. The, assuming you know we can we can be in crowds ever again. Mm. Things will turn around, gang. It's It'll, yeah. to, we yeah. have to be we have to be patient, but things will get better. And I cannot think of a better way to end. This podcast. Yeah. Amen. Well said, Brian. Well said. All right. All right. So on that note, thank you for listening. We hope you got some enjoyment out of it. And we will see you very soon. Bye, everybody. Bye, guys. Farewell. Bye, everybody. Mr. Sulu, I had warp one. Warp one, sir. Heading, sir. Out there. That away.